to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. ASHP conducted two surveys in late 2021 to better understand how ASHP can promote technician development through the advancement of patient care roles and increased responsibilities and to address recruitment and retention issues within the technician workforce. The executive committee members of the Pharmacy Technician Forum and the section of pharmacy practice leaders met during the 2022 ASHP summer meetings in Phoenix, Arizona to reflect on the key findings identified from these surveys. During the second part of a four-part series, you will hear from Mark Sullivan, Associate Chief Pharmacy Officer at Vanderbilt Medical Center, Jeff Little, Director of Pharmacy and Outpatient Imaging at St. Luke's Hospital, and Chair of the Section of Pharmacy Practice Leaders Executive Committee, Joanne Myrie, Drug Diversion Program Manager at Alina Health and Chair of the ASHP Pharmacy Technician Forum Executive Committee, Cindy Jeter, Senior Management of Implementations at McKesson RxO, Lindsay Kelly, Associate Chief of Pharmacy at the University of Michigan Health, and Lindsay Ameren, Executive Director of Pharmacy at UNC Health. They will share their reflections on the survey results as they relate to professional and career ladder development initiatives, pharmacy technician training programs, and the role of professional organizations. Compared to 2021, the administrator survey reported that more employers are now offering to support professional development as an incentive strategy. This includes offering a career ladder, paying for professional benefits such as membership, continuing education, meeting registrations, and implementing an internal technician training program. These are just a few examples. So what are some of the biggest challenges you think exist for organizations in offering career ladders and professional development for pharmacy technicians? Does your organization offer an accredited technician training program? And if so, describe the process of that implementation. I'm just really interested in hearing what your organizations offer for professional development as an incentive. Hannah, it's Mark, I'll kick this off here. Yes, we do offer a training program. Uh, we started one late last year. We've had probably six to 10 students in each class. We've, we've graduated three classes and been able to retain the majority of those uh, technicians that have graduated. The challenge we've had with that program, though, is, is getting people in the system. So we've had to offer basically a free program without any charge for technicians to come in and go through the program and get trained to be able to plug into our organization. In terms of professional development, we obviously continue to offer ACPE programs through our staff education program for technicians that are already on staff. We've also recently offered a corporate pharmacy membership for our state affiliate just this year to try to engage technicians more in professional organizations. So that's some of the strategies we've done in this space. Who wants to go next? Thanks, Mark. This is Jeff. I can just um, add on to that. So we do not have uh, currently an accredited technician program, but we do have a career ladder. And we've actually had a career ladder in place for over 20 years. It started as a pharmacist career ladder, but now we have a pharmacist and a technician track that are really run parallel to each other. But there are some challenges. And I think for us, part of it is based on that it was started as a pharmacist ladder and then it was kind of retrofit for the technicians. So one of the main challenges that we have is kind of providing offline time. There's a lot of the career ladder that's focused on professional development activities that the pharmacists do kind of on their own time because their salary, they're exempt employees, but for the technicians to do any of that work, 
they have to be being paid to do it because they're, they're hourly. So then it's, can we find time in the day to be able to work on these activities that are not direct patient care, which is a similar problem that we had with the other optimizing the, the automation and such that we just, when, when push comes to shove, we have to get the meds to the floor. So finding time to do that has been, uh, has been a challenge. And then another issue that I would say is that we have technicians in such varied roles across our health system and trying to fit those into one ladder to say, well, what's something that would meet the, the standards to go from a tech one to a tech two for a meds to beds technician compared to a technician that's preparing chemotherapy. They're just, the roles are so different. So it's hard to fit that into one uh, concise ladder. Yeah, I agree with that, Jeff. I think, you know, my organization has a career ladder and we've had one for well over 20 years as well. And those are the same types of struggles that I think our organization struggles with from time to time as new roles come and new advancements. Where do you place them? How do you differentiate um, between those two? From a training perspective for us, you know, we, we try to do the in-house technician training and it's difficult for all the reasons that you guys have mentioned thus far. And so really, how do you work with your organization to maybe tie it a little bit more into the engagement of those folks so that as they work through that process, they feel um, engaged in that department and they feel part of that work so that they're going to want to stay. And, you know, we've heard a few other creative ways in our organizations around in-house type training where you kind of work to learn versus work to work <laughs> and, and move on. Because we know that sometimes in pharmacy, folks will start as technicians and then they go on to other healthcare professionals. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But how do you also then still capture those folks that aren't sure what they want to do and entice them to stay in pharmacy instead of looking outside? And so I think your career ladder piece of the challenge is how do you build in some of that engagement work with that as well to maintain them and retain them to keep them feeling like this is where they want to be. One of the things that I've seen that's a big challenge in health systems is that career ladders take a lot of time. You can't implement them very quickly. So gaining that buy-in from the hospital administration, from other departments in the hospital, and from your human resources department are always a little more time consuming than you first anticipated. So human resource departments many times have to conduct surveys. They have to do market analysis and wage surveys and job descriptions reviews. And as you said, Jeff, what is that skill level? What takes you from one level to the next? All of that takes time. And with a pandemic, sometimes that's one of the things that has been put on the back burner. I want to build a little bit of a off what you were saying, Cindy, I think there's a really good point there around the time it takes, the wage that you get paid, how do you develop the ladder? I think one of the things that I think about a lot is these are entry-level positions. So I think for that reason, having the work to learn or even what you were talking about, Mark, with like a stipend to have people be able to attend these programs becomes even more crucial. I think if you think about like this was probably always an issue, you know, having kind of the general living wage even before the pandemic, and it was really highlighted during that that time period. And so I think in pharmacy, we, we tend to offer above minimum wage, but we don't we tend to not also consider that across the nation, minimum wage isn't even enough to buy a two-bedroom apartment anywhere in our country, right? So when we start thinking about how we fund people coming in, keep them, 
I think part of what has to go into that, into having a successful ladder and successful training program, because I think it's crucial to both, is like a family sustaining wage, right? We have to be able to give people the time to pursue the ladder if it takes forever and get them in with a wage that allows them to do that. Well, and off of both of that, I think, you know, I, I spent eight to 10 years trying to build a career ladder and we had multiple different pushes within the organization and within our department to get one in place. And we could never quite get it over the hump with HR. And we were able to, as we've kind of developed down into a system, be able to actually have a career ladder. So ours is relatively new. It's within the past two years that we've had a technician career ladder. And we were able to do it kind of to each of your points of what is it for each area? And one of the things I, I think that we really focused on was that in every area, you have a career ladder option. And so there's no one area that everybody then wants to migrate to because they make more money. So in every area, you are, have that opportunity to elevate to the next level. So I, I would say it worked for a short period of time. And I was definitely naive in thinking that once we get this career ladder, we're going to be, it's, we solved it. And it took so long that we kind of patted ourselves on the back and said, we have it. Now the challenge we're running into, so we're about 18 to 24 months in, is that all the positions that are the tech threes, the tech supervisors, the tech specialists, they're filled. And there isn't an abundant number of them. They don't, it doesn't grow each year. They're the same number of set number of positions. Well, now they're filled. And so the technicians that are wanting growth are saying, where else do I go? I, there is no opportunity. And for me, I'm saying there is opportunity. It just is filled right now. And so you're going to have, there, there's a timing component of it as well that I don't know that we've done a good job of educating our staff on that. It's also about timing and it's not just about having the career ladder, but how do I prepare you as a candidate to be prepared for when that tech three position opens up that now you've had the experience in it and you're going to be the best candidate to get that job. Because for every tech three tech specialist, we have multiple internal options and internal candidates that are applying to those roles and you can only select one person. And so I think the career ladder is great, but it, it's not an end all be all and it doesn't fully solve all of your problems. I think to the CE question is definitely something that I think over time from a leadership standpoint and from a pharmacist standpoint, you know, pharmacists know which conferences they want to go to and they put in a request for that travel. We have a, a budget call out every year. And I think initially we, we really didn't get anything from technicians, but I also don't think we educated well enough to say, these are your opportunities. You could go to the state society meeting. You could be, you would be paid to go at your normal rate and you could go to this conference. Would that be of interest to anyone? And putting it out there and then budgeting for those opportunities. And I do think that's probably an area that we could really improve upon is getting the word out, seeing who is interested and then ensuring that as we're budgeting for continuing education, that that's actually in there for technicians. Lindsay, I've got to make one other comment given, given what you said. So when we put our career ladder in, we had 
kind of the same situation you guys have with sterile compounding technicians, people who work in the total permanent nutrition lab, people who work in the oncology department, who were at higher levels because we were a physician-based career ladder. And then we put a career ladder in that allowed people to move through it no matter where they were. It didn't require one of those positions to open up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in retrospect, it really put some of those more critical, higher complexity areas at risk because there wasn't an incentive for people to go into them anymore. They could just do the career ladder requirements where they were. So it's just something to be thoughtful about as you're considering strategies with this. The other point I'll make, we had been a required certification department for 20 years. And when the pandemic hit and all all this labor uh, issues started for us, we had to back down from that and uh, just take candidates that had no experience in pharmacy and bring them in and then put them into the career ladder after we got them to be functional in the pharmacy. So it's really a a broad spectrum issue here that uh, we all need to be doing multiple things and tactics to solve. Your point is a great one because I think the areas like sterile compounding or things that we take a lot of time to train staff in are a little bit at risk because now you aren't paying them as much. They, they could go somewhere else. They could go outside your institution for what we would probably consider to be a job that has less training and skills required, and they may make more money outside. And so that, that is definitely, I think, the risk of doing it that way. I think the certainly the benefit is that every area has the opportunity, and so you can still see a growth potential in your same area, but I don't know that we figured out nationally how what the correct way is. And I, I don't know that there is one yet. If someone knows of one, I'm, I'm all ears. I think we all are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to add one more um, comment to this. Not that we definitely have a solution, but in listening to uh, Mark and Lindsay talk about it, how that worked, we have uh, the crew ladder at, at St. Luke's is irrespective of what role that you're in. But every... Like it goes tech one, tech two, tech three, and every single tech that works there could be a tech three. There's no limit on how many. It's based on really your own personal development and what level you are doesn't dictate where you would get scheduled. But we separately have advanced roles. So like lead techs and 340B coordinators and pharmacy analysts, there are advanced roles that there is only a finite amount of those. Um, but an in- interesting thing that I heard, um, actually, I believe it was someone from the technician forum executive committee on one of our calls earlier was the idea of advanced roles are not the solution to the tech shortage problem or not the solution to turnover by themselves, because there is, as you guys are pointing out, there's a finite number of advanced roles. And when you're talking about the numbers we heard at the very beginning of the podcast here, like 20% vacancy rates, 20% to, or more turnover, that's not advanced roles aren't going to solve that because we need to raise the tide for all of the votes. I can't help myself here. One more <laughs> comment. So I think it's important to think about how you're going to approach your HR department because if you're going for a market adjustment, for example, they're going to use benchmarking data from Mercer or some of the other companies. And, you know, there's set job descriptions that they benchmark against. So a tech pharmacy technician is maybe a benchmark, but if you've got a career ladder that's very complex in Tennessee, we're allowed to use technician for verification. And so 
those positions aren't in the benchmark. And so they just extrapolate. HR departments generally will. Ours did when they did our market assessment. And it's important for the pharmacy manager to be involved in that, to help them make right decisions because we had to have a discussion about our tech three position on the career ladder and where it fit under or over a technician verifier. It fits under in our structure, but uh, you know, they need help understanding that nuance. Just another thing to keep on your radar. What role do you think professional memberships like ASHP play in the professionalization of the pharmacy technician workforce and helping to mitigate the technician workforce shortage? I'd, I'd love to hear from our technician leaders on this question. Yeah, Hannah, you know, I think one of the roles that ASHP has to really help is create a positive perception of the pharmacy technician roles um, and the role that they play in the profession as a whole and help get that messaging out to the public. You know, we've heard in a lot of different conversations throughout our meeting here this year, as well as other phone conversations around how, you know, the lay person, if you will, the general public person really doesn't have an idea of what a pharmacy technician does, let alone a pharmacy technician in healthcare systems. And so really that perception, I think, is a critical piece that ASHP as an organization can help us with. Um, Those misconceptions, you know, really directly impact, I think, a lot of the shortage issues that we are experiencing because people are not aware of the advanced opportunities, the skills that are necessary, the training, um, certification, et cetera, to do that, the tasks that a pharmacy technician does. You see a decrease in interest and enrollment in our accreditation schools, our other training programs that are out there, as well as it negatively impacts our pay skills and it to everything that we've talked about in these last few questions, when we don't have a good description of what we are actually doing, it really impacts on all of those levels. And so I think, you know, with wage grade systems, we need to pay attention to that. As you mentioned, Mark, you know, with how we put together our job descriptions, right, and what that looks like and be cognizant of how our HR colleagues interpret that and have to do some education. Um, You know, the complexity that our jobs of our technicians, the specialized training needs to be put into place there as well. Um, And so, again, I think that this lack of perception and understanding of the work that our technicians do, you know, to facilitate, support, ensure that our patients that we serve are getting that right drug, the right dose, the right route, the right time, that really ultimately impacts our professionalization of the pharmacy technician workforce. And and when that is minimized, it's shooting ourselves a little bit in the foot to say that. And as an essential member of the healthcare team, we're not giving them, in my opinion, a valid chance to survive, right? And so we're, 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 we're not allowing them to succeed to the best of their ability. What are your thoughts, Cindy? Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said, Joanne. That value of the pharmacy technician, getting that message out to the community is essential. I also think that professional organizations like ASHP are instrumental in providing best-in-class continuing education, skill development, and leadership development opportunities. You know, many technicians only work at one hospital. That's the only thing they ever have the opportunity to see. And so they just don't know some of the things that are 
out and that other institutions are doing. So ASHP has best practices and posters, mid-year meetings and summer meetings and articles. It's all very, very essential for pharmacy technicians to help them be able to see that bigger picture of the entire pharmacy career. Also, ASHP can be an outstanding advocate for technicians. Just the professional organizations that offer an opportunity, again, to see the entire healthcare system, where we fit in, what our, our part is in helping with the public health ecosystem. Now let's transition to the pharmacy technician survey. And as you remember, the survey was sent to pharmacy technicians from ASHP and the PTCB, where pharmacy technicians were asked about their current job satisfaction, career motivators, and reasons to stay or leave their current positions. Over 56% of pharmacy technicians who completed the survey reported strong job satisfaction, with the top contributor to job satisfaction being a desire to help people and patients. Where do you see opportunities for employers to leverage the overwhelming response of technicians' desire to help patients, to help sustain and even improve their technicians' job satisfaction? Cindy, what are your thoughts on that? One of the areas that I see that employers can really make an impact here is offering advanced technician roles, vaccine clinics, decentralized technicians, it's an effective way to get those technicians closer to patients. They do care a lot about their patients and being in healthcare. They chose healthcare, you know, as a profession. So offering special services are an excellent way to uh, not only help our communities, but also help those technicians. You know, in my experience, the more that technicians help patients, the more curious they become, the more they want to know about disease states and the different medications, the more they want to build their skills, they want to be even more helpful. So I think it's a great opportunity for employers to help with that motivation of technicians. And also, you know, many employees find a renewed sense of purpose when they can see the direct impact that they're having. Cindy, I want to build off that for a second. I think what you said about the direct impact is really important. And so one of the things that we hear distinctly from our, our technicians is that the, the immediate gratification of solving a problem that day is meaningful, right? And I think that's also something we might consider as we think about what areas are, are you know, we talk, we talk about what areas are critical or what, be at, what might be at risk. We've seen technicians migrate in our institution towards roles where that gratification happens on a regular basis, which is different, I think, than some of the behind the scenes work where you're doing work that supports patient care, you're preparing chemotherapy, you're preparing IVs and you know, performing sterile compounding. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is part of a four-part series titled ASHP Pharmacy Technician Shortage Survey Reflections from the Pharmacy Technician Forum and Section of Pharmacy Practice Leaders Executive Committees. To hear more from ASHP, subscribe to ASHP Official for more Technician Tuesday podcasts. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. 
be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.